So I'm always um, open to feedback because speaking doesn't do any good unless, unless people are responsive to it. Uh, so speaking is dead unless people are responsive to it. So I received a little bit of feedback last week, and the feedback consisted of, you know, you should give us examples. And, um, and there is about a billion um, examples um, that are out there because all of us live in our own lives and situations and circumstances happen. And as those situations and circumstances happen, you want, well, what's an answer? You know, what is that, the answer to deal with this situation, that situation? What's the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? And, um, and that's kind of how it, it works. But as I thought about that, you know, we're talking about marriage and divorce. And, um, and we're talking about, should I get remarried? Should I not get remarried? Should I divorce? Should I not divorce? Um, is abuse grounds for divorce? Is abuse not grounds for divorce? You're just all those things. And they all come up in a specific area, specific um, examples. So what I've done this morning is I've just written, what is it, 8, 10 um, points that were just kind of give examples and, um, and um, examples of this is a scenario, what should we do, what does the Bible say, and those things. And there's a lot of education that will take place, I believe, even as a result of looking at these examples. So, like, number one, just ask the question, my wife had an affair, what do I do? <laughs> My wife had an affair. Now you can do a husband had an affair, wife. You know, this is just specifically in a general statement. People ask that question. I had an affair. What do we do? What does the Bible say we do? Um, do we um, divorce? I mean, because an affair is, you know, except for marital unfaithfulness, we can divorce, you know, those things. But what should uh, we do? The first thing to do is just hold on to Psalms thirty four eighteen. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You have to go somewhere when something like this happens. Um, instantly, we go somewhere, and usually it is the same thing that will take life out of us rather than put life into us. You need instantly have life put into you from a source, and that source must be God. Um, when an affair takes place, your mate has an affair there is a brokenness of trust, but even so far beyond that, there's a brokenness of, I've poured my, all these years out, I thought, I'm fooled, I'm everything that I believed is completely deception. There's a whole earth that walks underneath, um, from, out from underneath of you. And so you, you have to find a rock, and the rock is not alcoholism. The rock is not, well, I'll go have an affair because he had an affair. The rock is, is God come to God, hang on to God, embrace God. He heals the broken hearted and absolutely it kills. I mean, to, to the extreme. So just looking at some fast points, definitely seek counsel. You should be in counsel for, for years. Um, counsel is powerful. And the reason why counsel, counsel is powerful is because you're not going somewhere to get advice. You're going somewhere to be able to talk. And what I mean by be able to talk is that there needs to be pages that are opened up between you and your wife, you and your husband. We're doing this universal. You and your wife, you and your husband, that you have to work through this together. And if you choose to not have a third party in the room, the working through it together is like this. Because you say, you say, it, it just doesn't work. But when the third party is in the room, there's something magical that takes place. Guess what magical takes place when there's a third party in the room? You get to hear yourself talk. 
You don't hear yourself talk when you're talking between your mates. Did you know that? But if there's somebody else in the room and you start talking, you get to hear yourself talk. And what I mean by this is that my wife and I, we've been to counseling three different times um, in our marriage. If you ask, how is our marriage? I'd say our marriage is awesome. And the reason why it's awesome is because if there's something that comes up that's like, well, this could grow into something big, we go to counseling. You know, even something small, we go to counseling, we work through it and all those things. I remember the first time we went and uh, my wife was, uh, was all wrong. Everything she did was incorrect. Everything I did was good, was right. And, um, and I couldn't understand why she couldn't understand that. And uh, so we went to counseling. And as soon as we went to counseling, I had another person in the room. I heard myself talk. And as I was listening to myself talk, well, you know what this is? I felt disgusted. <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on a second. Let me not talk anymore. Let her talk. You know, maybe she can feel disgusted. But that's the power of counsel. You must have it if an affair takes place because there is a shattering through absolutely everything that you ever, you've ever hung on to. So seek counsel. Uh, the next one, and um, this is, um, um, somebody comes to my office, I would always go after, seek reconciliation. Um, seek reconciliation. You say, wait a second, if we have an affair, we have the freedom to divorce. That's what the Bible has given us. Um, the Bible does say, except for marriage and faithfulness, a divorce can take place. But the push, the drive, the passion should always be reconciliation and to see if we can put it together. We've seen people that have gone through broken relationships and affairs come out closer on the other side through the years of struggle and through the years of pain, through the years of those things, come out and say, okay, now we are healthy again and it's stronger. See, what happens is the reason why people have affairs is because there's little things that are taking place inside the relationships that are, you're going like this, you're pulling apart. And this is what relationships do. They either travel like this, they rarely travel like this. They usually travel like this, and it's the little things that keep pushing apart. Well, those little things are not talked about. We've had some people that have gone through an affair, and they came back and says, these, all these have to be talked about, and they have to be talked about for the rest of their life. And then that commitment starts to go like this, and then the rest of the years even grow stronger and stronger and stronger. So instantly still seek reconciliation, you know, in regards to this but also, um, the number three in the notes would be seek to understand if the affair is a perpetual behavior or a one-time act. There's no reconciliation if there's a perpetual behavior. And the reason why there's no reconciliation is because you've moved from we can restore from being used. In other words, you are being used in the process if it's a perpetual behavior. That a person is having an affair inside the relationship if the behavior continues to come, continues to come, then there's an expectation that needs to, that, that is being demanded on you. And so we'll definitely, you know, look for that. Counselors will look for that to see if there is a perpetual behavior that takes, um, that takes place. Because there's always like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But the perpetual behavior is a different statement of sexual unfaithfulness that's like, I, I'm, I'm, it's more of an appetite. The relationship is an appetite and not, and not the other. So those are things that you would definitely find in counsel to try to see what is going on and work towards the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is um, trusting again. There is no intimacy, zero intimacy without trust, none. Um, the reason why is because you can't give yourself away to somebody you do not trust. If you give yourself away to somebody that you do not trust, there's a word for it. You know what it's called? 
called prostitution. <laughs> it's called, I am struggling, I'm giving myself away, I do not trust you, but I'm doing it anyway. There's no way you can walk away from the situation and think, okay, this is good. But this is in all areas. We have to trust each other. Where there's trust, there's intimacy. Where there's no trust, there's no intimacy. If an affair takes place, boy, what's going to take place? So much trust is broken. The ultimate goal is to build that um, trust again. So then we can go through all the areas of how are you going to build it. Um, Number one, you can't have a perpetual relationship, all those things, but definitely um, be looking at those things. So an affair takes place, go right next to God because you need a rock, and get ready to walk um, through a very, very difficult situation. And I would say that if somebody... Say if I, you know, if somebody had an affair in a relationship, and then they walk in to counseling, I will say that this person here is going to have to work really hard because they're going to get beat up. It's just the way it is. And what I mean by what I mean by beat up is number one, they're going to feel the guilt, but they're going to also say, "Well, we've got to build this trust. How are we going to build this trust? The trust is broken here. There's going to be a lot required from this from this person to build that." To build that trust again. But in the past, we have seen people that have had an affair say, I'm, I mean, I'm all in. I will die to it. I'll do whatever I need to do to make sure that this, this is taken care of. Um, so, question on the affair. This was just kind of steps that if that took place, this is something that we would be looking at. Um, number two, I am married to a man who is addicted to pornography. Our sex life consists of me performing like the pornographic images in view. Um, what do I do? This happens more than we think it happens um, in this world. Um, our children are being raised um, with um, things that they are viewing on a consistent basis to say this is what sex is. And as they are being educated in regards of this is what sex is, they're walking into a marriage relationship and they can't figure out why it's not that. And um, because they've already been educated. Uh, one thing about pornography that it does is that it does go into your mind, and then what it does is that it is a growing sin that is inside of you. And what I mean by growing sin that is inside of you is it is designed to ruin you, it is designed to take you out, it is designed to annihilate you, it is designed to take healthy sex away in your relationship. So if you um, are struggling with pornography inside your relationship, just know that every time it's viewed, it is designed to, to take you out. It comes with an entrapment that will ruin absolutely everything that is healthy and good. Proverbs 5.22 says, His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for the lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he should go astray. Sin does nothing but entrap, suffocate, annihilate, and destroy. And when sin is fed, the appetite gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as the appetite gets bigger, the means get bigger. They're not attracted to this anymore. They're now attracted to this. And that is what is, re- is then required. So, and I'm just using, you know, ladies and men. You know, I'm just speaking on this one, men and ladies. But we can, you know, even do the opposite of it. But how do you get out of it? What do you do? Is there any steps that I should instantly take? to try to get out of it. Um, Just the number one, understand first that if sex from your mate hurts you emotionally, physically, spiritually, or psychologically, then you will suffer as if you are 
abused. What is a suffering person who um, is abused? What does they suffer with? Number one is they suffer with they suffer with guilt. Are they doing anything wrong? The answer is no. But still, the suffering takes place with guilt. The emotional pain is coming out if you are being abused. Uh, feeling dirty, feeling anger, all these things of being abused um, come at you. Well, you're not being abused by a perpetrator. You're being abused by your husband in this, in this situation and in this case. But understand that living inside of this lifestyle of continuing to give yourself away, it is going to crush your spirit, crush your soul, crush you emotionally. Um, you need help. Um, you, need, you need God. You need people. You need encouragement. You are being locked in something that is designed to not only destroy your relationship, but that is designed uh, to destroy you. So, and this is, you know, really fast. We can't get... Um, in great detail on it because we have a lot of them, but really fast in your relationship, set boundaries and demand that they are respected. Um, can we do that with our husband? Can we do that with our wife? Can we set boundaries? Um, if you give yourself away and are damaged giving yourself away, you must set boundaries. Why? Because it will destroy you. You have to set the boundaries and then demand that they're respected. These are my boundaries, and they must be respected. I'm not going to go any further, you know, um, in regards to this. Pulling our mates to what God meant sex to be, which is the opposite of pornography, pulling our mates towards that would be the goal and the design of, of, of the wife or even the husband in different situations and circumstances. Is it possible? Um, might not be. Um, it might be horrifically difficult, or it might even be impossible. But still, it has to be at the forefront of our mind. And then number three would be fight the addiction by any way you believe that would be effective. Um, so is it possible? Fighting the addiction by any way that you believe would be effective is being extremely aggressive. What does that mean? Does that mean move out? It might. Does that mean if I'm not respected as a person, then I'm going to do a legal separation? It might. Um, was well, the Bible uh, against that? The Bible um, is against divorce, except for marital unfaithfulness. And we're starting to walk a really fine line when a husband has completely given themselves away sexually to something else besides you. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm going to hold that line here as, as first things to do first. Fight aggressively to break the addiction. Get out. Um, you, you, I mean, feel free to, to get out. Feel free to um, get the um, even restraining orders. Those things, make sure that those things are confronted and worked on. And those are the conversations that you can even have with your mate in the sense that this is unacceptable. We need to start doing steps to set boundaries. And if those boundaries are not respected, then we have to go another steps that are even further. Um, and I would say that those steps um, can be taken inside of the biblical perspective and be, and be okay. That's just, just what, um, what I would say. Um, number three, I am married to a man who physically abuses me and the kids. What do I do? Um, can I divorce? 
One passage that it comes that um, we are reminded when it comes to children, this is not you necessarily, but it comes to children, it's Matthew 18, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large milestone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. There's a story about this young lady that um, was date raped, and uh, she went and she told her mom that I was, I was date raped. And she was horrifically, um, it was horrifically painful for her, um, as it is for every girl. And uh, the mom said, you know what we need to do is we need to um, talk to your dad about the situation. So here she, are, here she is, has this horrific offense on her, and she goes up to her dad with the mom to talk to him about the situation. She said, I just want you to know that I was, I was date raped, and uh, this is what took place. And the dad made the comment, it's like, boys will be boys. That's a second offense. You are offended once by the situation, but then you were just sexually offended by your father as well. Because the father carries the structure that's supposed to carry the child. And if the father breaks that structure, then that person is not feeling valued. Many people are in the homes that are with boyfriends, that are with girlfriends, that are hurting the children that are inside of their homes. It's a double offense that takes place if the mate is inside of the home bringing boyfriends and bringing the girlfriends home, saying this is acceptable if something is happening to those young people. Um, The amount of children that are being sexually abused by boyfriends nowadays is just unheard of. Um, It's a horrific offense, but it's a double offense because the one that is supposed to be protecting them is saying it's okay if the boyfriend remains there. So if a child is being sexually abused in any situation, whoever is not the abuser must act aggressively, hard, fast, and mean because that is going to pr- bring value to the children. It is going to bring value to the, um, uh, to the child. So what would be the sense of, in regards to the child? Number one, get out. Um, I definitely... I'd almost say, yeah, I'd say, number one, just get out. Um, don't let people live in that situation. Hang on to your children. Bring open conversation up if this thing has taken place. You must bring conversation up in this process, but you must be bringing conversation up with a mission in mind, and that mission in mind is to get out. You might be thinking, well, well the Bible doesn't let you. The Bible says you have to you know, remain married and, and, and those things. Yes, I do believe that the Bible believes that, but the Bible's not saying you can't have legal separation, you cannot have different separation. What you're doing is you're using um, the situation saying, this has to stop and we will not live underneath it. And I think it's very important to make those, um, make those large um, statements. Uh, and then another one is work with authorities. A lot of us won't work with authorities, but the authorities are there as a rock to, um, to help us with the situation. Domestic violence. Work with authorities. Do you know how many times I just call the authorities just to talk about situations? I call them and say, okay, I don't even know if this is a reporting issue, but let me just ask some questions. And I just start asking questions and say, oh yeah, this is a very strong reporting issue. I'm like, okay, I didn't even know that. But the authorities work with you. They don't come in and take everything away. The authorities will work with you is that I'm being, if you're a wife, I'm being beaten. And as I'm being beaten, um, I need help. And what do you think? Can we have some counsel in those things? And there's a lot of different counsel that are there.
but they'll also give you a backbone to say, this is your counsel, we will put, you can be over here, and we'll make sure that it is illegal for him to even come that sort of direction. There's a lot of those restraining orders um, that are out there. But you need to work on it, and that's the first step of working on it in that regard. And then, of course, find people in the church uh, to walk with. Definitely find people in church to be, be next to. Uh, one more, um, and this is going to be more of a minor uh, statement. It's not necessarily abuse, but say that things are just not going well inside of the family, that there is verbal abuse, there's yelling, there's screaming, the relationship is, is, is a complete disaster. Uh, what is one thing that you definitely need to do if you have kids in the house? Definitely need to talk to your kids. The kids are watching, observing, knowing, they know, and if they are not talked to, then their emotions are not respected. Um, just to give you a fast situation, if it is happening, the mother, say the mother is emotionally abused, um, not physically abused, you say emotionally abused, they know that the family is really at each other, tearing apart. Um, the mother should go to the kids and say, I just want you to know that it is not going very good because you, you know that. I also want you to know that your feelings and your emotions are validated, and we need to keep an open dialogue as we walk to, through this together as a family. We're trying to work on it, but we need to make sure that you guys are in the loop as well as we're working on this relationship. People say, well, I can't tell my kids that because we're supposed to be the strong ones. Well, if you're not being the strong ones, the kids need to be brought in the loop for security reasons and purposes. They need to know what is going on. So I think that would be another area that would be very helpful. Number four, I'm no longer in love. My mate and I feel like we are no longer compatible. What do I do? You won't believe how many times that this is brought up in so many people. Um, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be love and in love. And the person that I'm with right now, I'm not happy with. I'm not in love. God must be sending me somewhere else. He is not sending you somewhere else. Number one, do not even think about divorce if you're not thinking about being, you're not in love anymore. That is not the thing that's going to hold you together. When you are being married and you're making your vows and you're making your commitments, you're not making emotional commitments. You're making verbal statements of sickness and in health, richer or poor, as strong as we can be because that's when love starts. Love doesn't start on the other end. It starts there through commitment. That's a shelter of love. Don't even think about divorcing. And that's what I'd tell you, too, if you came to my office. It's like, I'm just not happy. Well, tough it up. You can be in love again, and it's not going to be with somebody else. It needs to be with your mate. The Bible doesn't tell you to be compatible. It tells you to love. You think, well, I'm just not compatible. We're just not working together. You need to start working together. You need to start being compatible. Go to counsel and work on it, you know, um, in this regards. Marriage is held in honor throughout the Word of God, and it must be respected. And when it's not, and when it is degraded, yes, your feelings won't come. But when it is guided by the Word of God, your feelings will come. Love is the goal to go after, not an expectation that is felt. Um, we are narcissistic people people that are marrying narcissistic people. That's, that's, that's the way we are. I'm all about me. My wife is all about her. When you get married, you're trying to do something about that. <laughs> you're going to spend the rest of your life doing something about that. And what is that? 
You're going to connect and lay down your lives for each other, and in that process, you will fall in love. The refusal of going through that process, you won't be compatible, you won't be happy, you won't be falling in love. It's because you're narcissistic, and you're refusing to go through the process of embracing um, um, a covenant that God has put us, um, has given us to give us a complete joy and happiness that we are starving for and even looking for. All right, number, number five, going through these fast, and we'll open up a question. You guys can ask questions off of them. I'm married to a woman that does not believe in God. Should I divorce? Um, <laughs> what do you think? Well, the Bible has a whole chapter on you better not. <laughs> um, you're there. If you're married, you're there for that wife if she's not a believer. 1 Corinthians seven twelve. To the rest, I say this. I, not the Lord... He wants to make sure that it's not Paul talking. Remember, this is inspired word of God. This is God speaking. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. I don't think the Bible is making it any more clear than it possibly can be. Should not divorce. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelievers leaves, let him do so. A believer man, a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. God is trying, God is, the whole Bible is keeping marriages together. That's where it's consistently pulling. Keep the marriage together, keep the marriage together, keep the marriage together. We're all looking for excuse. Well, can I break it? Can I do this? Can I not? Oh, when it comes to unsaved, absolutely not. You cannot break it. You're there now for that person. Is it difficult? It's extremely difficult. And the reason why it's difficult is because you're moving to two different pages, two different eternities, two different directions, two different worldviews, two different people. A saved person and a not saved person is going two different directions. But our goal according to the Bible, is to stay with it. Uh, Number six, kind of on the flip side, I am dating someone who does not believe God. Can I get married? No. (laughs) Don't get married. If you walk in the office and say, hey, we'd like to get married, it's like, okay, you guys believers? Well, I'm a believer, they're not. I'm like, all right, I'm going to break this relationship up or um, because I'm not going to marry you Um, because you have two different human beings. Now, we're all different human beings, but we have an eternal and one that's not. They don't function together. They, they must have a ground that they stand on. And the problem is if the word of God is not the ground that they stand on, then there's no base for them for anybody to stand on. So if you're a Christian thinking about being bound with somebody else, wondering if I should marry him or not, don't do it. Um, you will struggle, 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 struggle. 2 Corinthians 6.14 gives us a direct statement do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light and darkness? There is none. Saying you're completely different people, you will struggle for the rest of your life if you choose to marry somebody that is not that is not a Christian, that is not um, a believer. Um, number seven, I committed adultery in the past. Do I need to confess it to my spouse? Um, if you confess it to your spouse, what's going to happen? 
your relationship is going to <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it, it, it's gonna blow if you do not confess it to your spouse what is going to happen your relationship is going to get as hot as a furnace and your relationship will no longer even exist as anger and everything starts fueling inside and it is going to blow no matter what anyway um, you want to restart your relationship with your spouse if you committed an affair the only way to do it is to tell them. Uh, you must make that, make that statement. Intimacy is being completely vulnerable to say, I want you to know I messed up and I want nothing in between us in this relationship. And I want you to know, sorry I am. I beg for your forgiveness. I beg for restoration. I beg for anything that will allow us to work through this. It's not going to be easy, but I want to be whole in front of you. And um, the affairs usually come up in the end anyway, and they come up even a lot worse um, if they're not told. But they're a lot easier structured to be able to talk about it, say, I did it, I confess, and let's try to work together, let's try to get connected together. It is a huge statement, and of course it is extremely, extremely difficult, but definitely bring it up in a setting that is prepared, a setting that would say, I just want you to know that I was unfaithful, and, and you even want to prep even before it takes place. I'm committed to you. I love you. I want to be married for the rest of life. I want you to know me. I want you to know my secrets. I want you to know my heart. I want you to know my sin. I want you to know everything about me because I want to be even connected to you further. And I want you to know that I have this monster inside of me that is going to ruin us if it's not come out. Therefore, make the statement. Make the statement then. Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be held should be honored by all in the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral what does take place is that judgment does only take place you know after life that's not all the judgment the judgment always takes place I'd almost say always takes place even here on on earth it does take place on here on earth and one of the judgment that does take place is that you'll never be able to get connected with your wife if you don't bring it up um, to the extent that you could um, get connected if you do bring it up. And then number eight, again, going rather quickly, I have a problem with pornography. Uh, do I tell my wife? Um, the answer is, um, is an automatic yes um, is what the answer would be. But it also has to, um, there's diff- I'll, t- I'll talk about when it comes to yes. In order to have intimacy, we need to show ourselves to our spouse the good, the bad, the ugly. That is what intimacy is. Secrets inside of us break the intimacy and annihilate the relationship. And it comes into every factor um, of our life. And so if pornography is, is being viewed in secrecy and secrecy is taking place, there is a disconnect that's going to happen between you and your wife because a secret is going to happen, and also the sin is going to happen. The, the sense that it is going to stop, um, it, it, probably, it probably won't because of that secret that is there and exists. So bringing it up to your wife and say, I just want you to know that this is something I want to take out of my life. This is something I do not want in my life. This is something I want washed clean. Is an act that is going to bring wholeness specifically to the marriage. Um, and you might be thinking, well, what is the response of my wife going to be? I mean, that's just, that's not going to be, it's not going to be, it's not going to be healthy. Um, it, um, 
There's possibilities that it might not be healthy, but there is possibilities, um, and I won't even use possibilities. I believe that it can be whole, it can be rich, it can be strong, because all of a sudden you just opened yourself up to intimacy, and by viewing it without talking to her, you'll never open yourself up to intimacy. Your wife will appreciate that. I want to open myself up to intimacy with you. I want to explain to you that I want you more than anybody else, and I want to conquer this um, with you. And uh, would it be healthy? It will draw you together. You get to celebrate together in a sense of conquering it. You get to walk together closely. More conversations will be taking place. Um, just prep the situation and walk through the situation as, as it happens. Wives, um, if it was brought up to you, um, I would um, say, take care of your sheep. <laughs> that would be the, <laughs> that was the sermon, if you guys didn't get that. In, in, in one sense, is that there is a, such a difficulty that would be taking place for the man to do it, and if, or we can go flip side, if the you know, man, wife, but there would be such a difficulty to take place that this is what you want to harvest in a relationship because that step was very strong, bold, and a step of love a step of wanting something deeper than you have right now. It is a huge step of relationship. Therefore, embrace that. And as you embrace that vulnerability, nurture that vulnerability. Walk with that vulnerability. It's not a time to throw judgment out there. Um, We live in a world that consistently, things consistently come at us, and we can point at everybody's different sins. And um, this sin is, the wife can look at it, take it, say, Okay, you struggle with it, but I'm going to embrace you in the process, no matter what my feelings are. I want to work with you to, um, to overcome this, um, and it can bring extreme health to the marriage. You can share recovery together. You can work together. You can open up conversation together at a more deeper level. Um, it would also say, I don't have any secrets. Um, if you're saying, I want to confess to my pornography, that would be a secret that would be so strong that you're saying, I don't have any other secrets. The relationship has opportunity to grow very powerful um, by, by um, not hiding. And number nine, how do I teach my kids to find the right mate? Um, give me a book. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. You'd have a book. I just tell you, you don't need to read any books. You don't need step one, you don't need step two, you don't need step ten. The only way to teach our kids to find a good mate is to be a good mate. Kids are not, they don't listen. (laughs) Just let you know. They don't listen, and they're not educated by listening. They watch. And by watching is their education that takes place. And the scariest part is that your children, daughters, marry somebody similar than their dad. (laughs) And that's, that's scary. Um, we watched, my daughter and I watched a, a thug movie that, um, <laughs> it was The Outsiders, a movie long, long time ago, but it was made, it was a thug movie. We have the thugs and then you have the jocks. And, uh, at the very end, my daughter says, you know, I'd probably fall in love with the thugs <laughs> instead of the jocks. I'm like, and then she blamed it on me. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you blame it on me? It's like, yeah, you know, I guess that's just the way, that's just the way I am. So, but they watch. That's the way we train our kids, is by what they see, not by what they hear. So that's very, very, um, that's the only way to do it. Of course, that's a fast answer, but that answer just wiped out every single book that you read on it. Um, The reason why is because step one, step two, step three, it's hard to train, just let them watch you.